Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Pastor T.O. Barrett's been known on Chicago's South Side as a religious and community leader for 50 years. But it wasn't until recently that people started to uncover Barrett's trove of gospel music. In the 1970s, Barrett began making recordings of the music performed in his church. These were sermons he turned into songs that sat around for years until rappers started sampling them in the last decade. People like Kanye West, T.I., DJ Khaled, Alicia Keys. His song Nobody Knows was even used in a popular Nike commercial with Steph Curry a couple of years ago. All this recent attention on Pastor T.O. Barrett has culminated in a new box set from the Numero Group called I Should Wear a Crown. 39 tracks of his songs and sermons throughout the years. You'll notice in my conversation with T.L. Barrett that he's a pastor through and through. He can't help but preach. And in this episode, you'll hear a lot of his trademark aphorisms. You'll also hear about his distant relation to the Reverend C.L. Franklin and of course his daughter, the great Aretha Franklin. Pastor Barrett and I also talk about how he went from a high school dropout to a community leader. Plus, what it was like for him to have his music discovered so publicly after decades. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's my conversation with Pastor T.O. Barrett. We should start from the beginning. You have such a rich, fascinating history. And the fact that you grew up between... Queens and Chicago. Can you tell me a little bit about Queens and Chicago when you were growing up? Yes, I was born 
in Jamaica, Queens, and that was in 1944. So in 1951, my father had a leading to come to Chicago where we had relatives of his, his sisters and his brother. And so we moved to Chicago and that's where he started his ministry, moved into the Ida B. Wells projects. And that's where I grew up. And we stayed there until just before my father's passing. And I was 16 years of age. It wasn't a very pleasant period in my life because all of a sudden I was thrust into the mainstream of fending for myself, but I had no kind of financial cushion to fall back on. So when he passed away, shortly after that, I was dismissed from the Wendell Phillips High School. And I had barely gotten into high school on a summer school program. And the last thing that the guidance counselor told me as I was leaving out, she said, oh, one more thing, T.L. Barry, come back over here. But she shook her well-manicured finger in my face and said, I just want you to know, you will never, ever amount to anything. Well, that really set me on a road for discovery, for my recovery. My sister lived at 57th in Indiana. My parents weren't home and my sister was home. So that was the only place I could go. And so I went to my sister's house, but I made a deal with God. I said, God, if you come out of that sky and just get right into my eye, let me have a very personal relationship with you. And let me discover the power of you from inside. I want you to be personal with me. I promised God two things, that I would keep my body clean, no drugs, no alcoholic beverages, and I would work to make my mind keen. Since they wouldn't educate me, I'd educate myself. So I walked from 39th in Indiana to 57th in Indiana. Well, fast forward to today. I am sitting in a million dollar plus edifice that I and my congregation erected in 1982. But guess where it sits, Justin? It sits on the corner of 55th and Indiana, which means I walked across this street when I was 16 years old with an ache in my heart, but a determination in my soul that what that lady said about me, her negative prognostication would not become a positive fact to me. Today, I own this corner. My name is on the street sign for six blocks from 55th and Lafayette, which is where my old church was, to 55th in Indiana. It's called T.L. Barrett Boulevard. So after my father died, I went back to New York. And that's where I got my education. I went to the New York State Board of Regents after cramming, studying. Then they gave me my high school diploma. But then I, I came back to Chicago because I wanted to find that lady and make her aware of how wrong she was. Did you ever come across that guidance counselor again? You know what? For years, I was on the radio 
And for years, I would send her invitations to come to my church because I had a seat reserved for her. I invited her to come to my home because I had a guest room <laughs> reserved for her. But I found out from some others that she did hear me, but she was too ashamed to come forward. Wow. So I never heard from her again. What was the reason you were kicked out of school? Because I was delinquent. Mm. I didn't understand then that my creativity was causing my anxiety, but I didn't wow. understand it then. And I would never do anything that was negatively nefarious. In study hall, I would get my trio and we'd go behind the curtains in the assembly and we would start playing music and have the whole assembly rocking. And, and I'd get suspended for things like that. So now the reason why I'm telling you all of this is to show you that some of my music was born out of that pathos that I lived through. I felt like I was like a ship without a sail. And that's a pitiful thing because ships have cargo, valuable cargo. I felt that I had some valuable cargo that could make uh, an impressive contribution to the building of a greater society. But I didn't have a sail, but I found myself. So the song says, but I know we can make it. I know we can take it. And no matter what burdens are on us, I know we can shake it because we are like ships. Don't ever forget that you're like a ship. You, you have cargo, you have valuable cargo. And then when I thought about being like a ship without a sail. Just like a ship. that began my message to the young people. I drew young people to my ministry in that little church on a one-way street going north called Lafayette Avenue. And every Tuesday night, young people would come from everywhere. And then celebrities started hearing about those young people. People like Donny Hathaway wow. found his way there one night. And then Earth, Wind & Fire, Philip Bailey, who's the lead singer, Andrew Warfork, who's a horn player, and Larry Dunn, who's a drummer. They all came over there that night. And the message that they heard touched their hearts. And the young people that they saw, that amalgamation of message and meaningful ministry touched their hearts. I became the spiritual counselor to earth, wind, wow. and fire. So... Before 16, would you say you grew up, were you spiritual or were you a believer? Did you grow up going to church? My father was a minister. My father was a preacher. 
I already had a strong moral compass embedded within me. You know, your dad was a minister. There was like a tension or an anxiety that you were feeling. And it almost feels like there was a tension maybe between your sort of church religious life, inner spiritual life, and between maybe music, which maybe felt like a more of a worldly pull. I'm just curious where that anxiety was coming from, where, where you feel your creativity also came from. It was born out of frustration. You see, I almost turned against the church. Hmm. You see, I never even graduated from grammar school. They would keep us in church almost every night and past midnight, and I would be sleeping in school the next day. And I remember my teacher said, why are you sleeping? I said, because I was at church last night. And then when I would tell my father and the church members, they would say, well, those people, are, they don't know God. And Jesus is coming back any day now. And you'll be ready to go to heaven. And, well, as you know, Jesus didn't come back. I got left back. So I had to fight back. <laughs> and, 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 and I said, God, I'm not going to teach that kind of theology. Because it doesn't inspire you. If you're going to church and you're hearing that any day now, Jesus is going to come back and take us all the way. Then why would you struggle with math and, and algebra? Right. So when I found out that I was being left back, then I began to fight back. And I, and, and I just, it, it came out in a lot of negative ways. And they just put me out of most of the schools on the south side of Chicago. But it wasn't until that lady told me that I would never amount to nothing. And that's when the shock of that reality that I'm out here by myself hit me and that I'm going to have to seek my own uh, relationship with God. And I did. We're called new thought theology. It's not about a God in the sky. It's about a God in your eye. Just like I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to God. Why not? Why do I say that? Because man is the only creature that God created not living. So I teach people to do unto others, not as you would have others do unto you, but do unto others as you would do unto God. Now, all living things have the presence and the energy of God in them, but the human beings are the representors of God. See, every time I get a chance to meet another human being, that's my chance to represent God to them. And that's why I have to treat you like you are a, a celebrity, even if I don't know your name. So if man and woman are representors of God. That's right. What is music? With music, with art, with dance, there are all kinds of ways. And the beautiful part about life is God does not discriminate on who that breath, that creative breath of God is bequeathed to. That's why in our church, we don't judge anyone. Now, anything that is perverse, yes, but we do not sit in the seat of judgment against anyone. I like that. <laughs> we'll be right back with more from Pastor Teal Barrett after a quick break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases. And... 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. 
Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. We're back with Pastor T.L. Barrett. To take it back to childhood and music, yeah. what were you listening to? I mean, you're growing up in two hotbeds of just beautiful black American music between New York City and Chicago in the 40s, 50s, 60s. What are you taking in, man? My father was a guitar player, and he had a group called the Southern Wonders, a gospel singing group. And then he formed us once he had us my brother, my sister, myself into a group of singers called the Barrett Singers. So we grew up listening to, and you won't know anything about these groups, like the Swan Silvertones. Come on, that's where Bridge Over Troubled Water comes from. Okay, so you remember them? <laughs> yeah, Sam Cooke and the Soul Stirs. We grew up listening to them. We would travel the circuit with Pop Staples and the Staples Singers. Wow. Yeah, Mavis and I and the Staples, we were, we were very tight. When you were a kid? Yeah. Pop Staples and my father were very close. I mean, the Staples and the Bears, wherever you saw the Staples singers, you usually saw the Bears singers until they went totally pop. Right. And then they took off like rockets. My father stayed with the church and that genre. So I was inspired by that music, but I also had an ear for jazz. I became a jazz pianist. I got a gig at the Waldorf Astoria when I was 17 years old. 
I would play every New Year's Eve. There was this group that would hire me to play. I was mixing the two, preaching the gospel and, you know, trying to uh, play jazz music at the same time. And it wasn't until I became a pastor that I was able to merge the two. And my favorite pianist was Errol Garner. I didn't know about Errol Garner, but people would tell me, said, you, you remind me of Errol Garner with a syncopated left hand. Well, first of all, I didn't know what syncopation was. <laughs> so, I thought, I said, there's nothing wrong with my hand. They said, no. <laughs> I, I thought they were saying I had a crippled hand or something, but it was the rhythmic pattern that he would keep with his left hand. And on one of my albums, I think it's like a ship, I do a piano solo uh, that's called Blessed Quietness. And it's kind of apparent there. So Oscar Peterson, Errol Garner, are very, very strong influences on my music. Can you, can you show us what it means to play like, kind of like Errol Garner? Okay. There was a song I used to play. It's an old song called, What Are You Gonna Do? You're undecided now, what are you gonna do? Here you go. What's going on in that left hand? What's like, what, what, what is, uh, is that? Is I don't know. That's, I mean, it just came. That's where I started playing. And, and they told me that that was Errol Garner's style. And then I started listening to him. That's it. I don't know. Wow. So is that what you'd be playing like at the Waldorf Astoria as well? That sort of thing? Yeah. Well, I, it was all secular music at the Waldorf. Because, okay. you know, people were celebrating New Year's Eve and they wanted to hear things like, Look at me, I'm as tough as a kitten up a tree. Clinging to a cloud, I can't understand. I get misty holding your hand. Walk my way. And a thousand violins begin to play. Might be the sound of your hello. 
this music I hear, I get misty the moment you're near. You know, play songs like that. Gorgeous, gorgeous. How did you start playing piano? Jealousy. My brother had a godmother named Honey Wade, and she loved my brother so much because he was a pretty boy. They called him Pretty Boy George, and she sent him to music school. But I wasn't very attractive, so nobody would send me to music school. My mother and father couldn't afford to, so I would try to mimic my brother, and I would try to play the piano. I couldn't make any harmony. You were mashing the keyboard. Yeah, I was mashing the keys. And you couldn't tell me I wasn't jamming. (laughs) And I had rhythm. And that's how it would sound. And so my brother got tired of that. And he said, Junior, he called me Junior. He said, look, if you want to make harmony, he said, you're not making any harmony. So if you want to make harmony, you got to spread your fingers out and leave a space in between. Then I heard the harmony. And when I heard that harmony, then I put the rhythm to it. That's how it came out. be right back in a moment with more of my conversation with Pastor T.O. Barrett. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. 
How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. We're back with the rest of my conversation with Pastor T.L. Baird. Is it, is it true that you have a, a distant relation to Reverend C.L. Franklin and, and Aretha Franklin? Yes. My daddy told me that he and Reverend Franklin were cousins. And he told me, he said, that if you ever get a chance to meet him, mention my name. And so one day I was traveling with either Inez Andrews or the caravans, it was one of those groups I was traveling with, and they were on the same program with Reverend C.L. Franklin in Brooklyn, New York. So after the performances were over, I got a chance to go up to him. And I said, Reverend Franklin, I'm T.L. Barrett from Chicago, and my father told me that if I ever met you, to tell you that he is Tom Barrett. He said, Tom Barrett. And he said, the town from Mississippi, he said, yeah. He said, that's my cousin, man. I said, well, I'm his son. He embraced me, invited me to come to Detroit and preach at his church. I invited him to come and preach at my church in Chicago. And he came. And I went to Detroit and preached at his church. And he loved me so much, his mother jumped on my back while I was preaching. (laughs) She was so she was full of the Holy Spirit. And we were about to establish a tremendous family relationship. He was going to bring me into meeting with Loretta. But shortly after I preached at his church, there was a break-in at his house, and he was shot. 
and he stayed in a coma for six or eight months and never recovered. So I never was able to make direct connection with me and Aretha. She had heard about me, but you know, she traveled so much that we never got a chance to connect. She was Aretha by that point, right? I mean, oh she yeah, was, she, was, yeah. she was Aretha. What was the gospel circuit like at that time? It seems like the 60s was a very a wonderful time for gospel music. There was a lot going on, a uh, very colorful time. I'm curious what that gospel circuit was like in the 60s. I didn't start making records until the mid-70s, but I was privileged to be with some of the gospel singers who were arcing at that time, such as James Cleveland, Inez Andrews, Albertina Walker. So I was able to be around them, but I wasn't really part of that because I was just a young teenager then. By the time you start making records in the 70s, is the goal only to make music for your congregation and congregations you might visit? Or, or is the goal to, to bring the music to a larger audience? Or I mean, is, it, is the goal musical? Is the goal religious in nature or spiritual in nature? The goal was to bring to fruition the promise that I made to those young people. I told them that you could become famous. Some of you can become superstars and you don't have to live within the strictures and the throes of the drug culture. You can be the representatives of God and still make it in that life. And we have some who, who have been able to do that. So the goal wasn't necessarily only just to make music for the congregation. No, no. You were okay with success in the music business, larger music business. That, yes. that was okay with you. That, that yeah. was the aim. And I'm just so grateful to God that my music caught the ear of Rob Sevier and Numero Uno, because just to see some of those young people that trusted me, for them to have their children and their grandchildren sit down and listen to recordings that they were children singing on, is just an awesome reward for me, because I told them that this day would happen. I just didn't know when or how, but it is actually happening. For people who don't know, you know, your records became very popular after they got re-released much later in time. Yes. You never doubted the songs, your never. talent. Never. Wow. How did it feel all those years later? I mean, 40 years later, Numero Group hits you up to re-release your records. And, you know, people start rediscovering your music from 40 years ago. When, when did you first learn that people were finally picking up on your records? I think it was when I received a call from Rob Sevier. That's when I really realized that. And then he said, we want to do something with your music. I said, wow. He said, but we need to have you on the contract. So I think I signed the contract for one song. Then it became another album. Then I think I became just their artist. Seems like all those years ago, you knew to have faith in your music, but it still must have been surprising. Just out of the blue one day, you're getting this call. No, no. I have a theology philosophy that says true believers cannot be surprised. 
You live in expectation instead of agitation. Every time the phone rings, you're thinking, oh, this is the one. But just living in that amount of expectation and belief, is that ever disappointing? Of course it's disappointing, man. 40 years? Believing something for 40 years? Of course it can be disappointing. But if you are a true believer, you keep believing. But see, the Bible says faith without works is dead. So I teach our people, pray like you believe it depends on God, but work like you believe it depends on you. That's how you get it to work. Because life is a joint investment venture between you and God. Given your connections to people like Philip Bailey, Verdine White, Maurice White, um, you mentioned that Donnie Hathaway at some point had come through your congregation. You're in Chicago, uh, you know, where all this great R&B is happening. Did you ever think, well, maybe I won't make gospel music. Maybe I'll make R&B. No, because I did not segregate or label my music. I just made music. I made God's music. God's music is gospel. God's music is secular. Just like I wrote a song that says, it goes like this. Oh, I want to be in love with you. Oh, I want to be in love with you. Oh, I want to be in love with you. That's what the Lord said to me. Oh, I want to take you by your hand while you're living in this evil land. All you need to do is trust me. Now, that same song can be transposed into that's what my man said to me or that's what my lady said to me. I want to be in love with you. It's the same message. I said it long time ago. That's another song that I wrote. I said it long time ago. Said it long time ago. I love you so. Now, that, now, that can be sung in a nightclub or it can be sung in church. Because God did say long time ago, I love you. <laughs> I told my wife 56 years ago. We've been married 53 years. I, I sing that to her. I said it long time ago. And then there's a, a part in the song say. And I'm saying the same thing today. The same thing I said a long time ago. I'm saying the same thing today that I'll still make a way. It's not gospel. It's not secular. It's just music. It's God's music. That's one reason my broadcast was so popular because I played Earth, Wind, and Fire on my gospel program. The music is very spiritual. Yes. I played Keep Your Head to the Sky. I played you a shining star, no matter who you are. <laughs> God sent you here to shine bright to see what you can truly be. That's gospel, man. Come on. I was bold enough to play it on my program. And that's why Earth, Wind, and Fire, when they would be traveling, no matter where they were, they would call me early in the morning because they knew I would be playing their music and Donnie Hathaway's music and anybody else who had a message that would uplift mankind. How did you first get the idea to record? Like, where did that come from, the, the, the desire to make a record? So to answer your question about how did I start writing music, I'm looking around and seeing everybody else <laughs> is writing and recording music. So I thought it would be good for me to record music too. So I went to Paul Serrano at Serrano Studios and said, man, I want to make some music. I want to make a record. He said, you got some music? I said, yeah. He heard my music. He said, man, this is fantastic. So Paul Serrano at PNS Studios recorded us. 
And we started shopping it around. Stax Records picked us up and signed me to a contract. And where did the songs on the on the first record come from? When you hadn't made a record yet, you get the idea, you go to the studio. I was just writing songs, and I just recorded some of those songs that I wrote. How long have those songs been around? Older than you are. <laughs> I'm telling you. These songs, either the ones that I wrote or rearranged, the ones that I rearranged have been around for millennia. But the ones that I wrote, I wrote them in the late 60s and early 70s. With the goal of putting them on the record? Or was, or was this just... just I was just writing. But then when I decided that I should record too, then I started selecting the songs that I wanted to go on the records. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are you still writing songs today? Yes, when I feel like it. I write more... I write sermons and thoughts for the day. Just things that make you think. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. So that's what I write now. I write sermons. I write thoughts for the day. And you can put some of those sermons to music. But that's my main focus is writing. I write, 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 write all the time. Do you put some of those thoughts to music? Yes. When's the last time you, you put something new you wrote down to music? When's the last time that happened? I think it was Sunday. Because I, I wrote a thought that says, let's think deeper before we sink deeper. So we're, we're writing a song around that. Would you mind showing us how you might work a, a, one of your, your thoughts that you have, like think deeper before you sink deeper, how you might work that into some music? Okay, let's sing. Before you sink deeper, you might be able to keep her if you think deeper, not make her weaker. It's up to you. Think deeper. Before you sink deeper Stuff like that. Oh man, that's wonderful. I discovered your music like a lot of people through the algorithm of streaming services like Spotify. So I got to hear your music, I fell in love with it right away. There was just something different in it that I hadn't heard in a lot of gospel music. I loved it. This collection that Numero Group put together that was the first time I've heard you preaching. Oh. It's the first time I've ever heard it. And I'm glad it's going to be on streaming now because it's really interesting. In one of the sermons, how would you like to have a nice Hawaiian punch <laughs> is the title of it. <laughs> I mean, I was surprised by the fact that you were not afraid to, to be political and really at the local level. I mean, you were talking about getting people that you should be registered to vote and hold politicians to account. And I'm curious, especially when I, when I speak with older black folk who were around, lived through the civil rights movement, all that sort of thing, it feels like it must have been impossible not to be invested in politics. But rarely did I hear in that day sermons imbued with that kind of politics, unless we're talking about Dr. King, I suppose. Well, you see, I had the 
good fortune to be considered unfortunate, not having either parent, just being out here on my own at 16 years of age, I had a chance to see what actually makes the world go around. I actually got a chance to see that politics plays a great part in the living conditions of our people. And the only thing that would change that would be political change. And so I challenge my people to don't just join the church, but join your civic organizations as well. I said, if, in order to be a member of Life Center Church, you have to have a voter registration card as well as a membership card. And you got to be a, an active voter. I do not want you to be a member of this church and whatever the wind blows your way, you're satisfied with. Join another church. I want people who actively participate in the building of their own communities. When we got ready to build our church, our people wanted to go out into the suburbs. Let's buy a church out there. I said, no, let's build our own church in the community. And we chose 55th in Indiana. This area was called the whole, not W-H-O-L-E, H-O-L-E, whole. It was the worst hmm. crime area in the city of Chicago. We built our church to look like a palace, and I call it the palace in the midst of malice. That's what we did in 82. And now in 2021, it is the most enviable community to live in. People are coming back to the community. The Barack Obama Library is built in proximity to our community. This is one of the most enviable communities in the city of Chicago now because we stayed here. We built the Clio Center here. Clio is named after my daughter who was taken from us 13 years ago by domestic violence in our own community. And her name was spelled with a K. My wife's name is spelled with a C. And so Cleo stands for keep loving each other. Mm -hmm. That's what she would want us to do. And then my son led the community in, in building a residence, the Cleo Resident Building, the first totally green building in the city of Chicago. Wow. This community is a beautiful community now because somebody stayed, not just prayed. But we stayed and we worked and we're still working to make this a better community. Man, that's great. Thank you so much, Pastor Barrett. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Pastor T.L. Barrett for taking us to church today and sharing God's good word. You can check out a playlist of T.L. Barrett's new box set at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube at youtube.com slash broken record podcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at broken record. Broken record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Martin Gonzalez, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez. With engineering help from Nick Chafee, our executive producer is Mila Bell. Broken record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industries, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. 
Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.